0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome.
1: Thank you for joining us today, for taking the time
0: out to um, come together with us to worship and to dig into the Word of the Lord. Uh, I know He's got great things in store for us. I hope that you have come um, with a readiness in your heart, openness in your heart to all that He has for you, and even what he would like to do possibly through you to impact others around you um, as he uses us in whatever way he desires to use us today. In a moment, we're going to join together in worship, but I, I wanted to invite uh, Cynthia Sipes up to just stand here next to me. She just got a, a quick announcement for the ladies and then one for the men too, so Share.
1: I was in high school, so I never had that adult female to help me because she deteriorated pretty fast. So I met Elena Gonzalez, and she's not here today, but um, she has the same passion. And then Pastor put us together, and we now have this mentorship program called Power of Three, and um, it's God, the mentor, and the mentee. And our program is based with mentorship, but we're also pursuing holiness as well. And um, we have some forms for you, mentor or mentee forms. I ask that you fill them out, even if you're just interested, and if there's any reason why you can't do it right now, please give us the reason so that we know and we can revisit what we need to change. And uh, so any questions you have, I'll be available after church, and then we'll be doing it before and after church next week. And my last request is to the men. Um, We need your support in pursuing holiness. So we're asking that you would pray for our program, pray for our women, if you
0: would, please. Mm-hmm. Good. Thank you, Cynthia. It's very exciting to see that unfolding. Uh, so ladies, if you have any interest at all, please check in with Cynthia at that booth, out there in the main lobby, uh, right after service this morning. Uh, I want to invite you to stand with us. <clears throat> and as, as Sarah begins to pray, I want to invite us to just... Uh, get our mindsets into a place of worship. In a way it's I'm asking you to just kind of throw off the things of the week. Anything that might hinder you from worshiping freely today with your own words, just talk to the Lord. Thank him for being here with us today, with you today. And as we just prepare our hearts, we're, we're just going to mill right into worship to you and Jesus right now.
2: feeling it, um, I woke up super early the next morning and uh, started reading a devotional and the the words that came across were just, they just hit me, they were so poignant, they spoke directly to this song, uh, this next song that we're doing, I'm searching for my phone. Um, this uh, the verses come out of Isaiah, it's Isaiah 41, eight through 10. It says, but as for you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, my chosen one, descended from Abraham, my friend, I have called you back from the ends of the earth saying, you are my servant for I have chosen you. I will not throw you away. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. And I think, you know, a lot of there's a lot of ways that people can look at that. And I kind of saw that a lot of people, or some people, might see it as God's right hand trying to pick them up from down from where they're at. But I had looked at it in a totally different light. I saw it as God has us by his right hand. And he's holding us up in victory. He's holding us up in his victory like a trophy. He's not just, he's not just picking us up. He's holding us up. We have that victory in Him. Amen.
3: You are always fighting for us, Heaven's angels all around. My delight is found in knowing that you wear the victor's crown. You're my help and my defense.
4: a time of communion with one another, so if I could have our servers go ahead and come on down. (laughs) This morning as we turn our attention towards taking communion and and what Christ has done for us, there's some scripture that I'd like to read and share with you this morning. And it comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. But before we read the Lord's Supper, I just want to challenge you with this. And and just to think about this verse as uh, the elements are being passed out. And you guys can go ahead and start passing those out, please. And the verse is this.
1: Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink
4: from the cup. This is a time that we remember what Christ has done for us. It's a time that we remember what God gave his one and only son for us. And uh, so this is a time that we we look at ourselves, we examine ourselves. And we look to God and we, we look at what Christ has done for us. And so I just challenge you in the next few moments that you examine yourself, that you lay down your life, that you you just look to Christ for what he's done for us in this time. Um, Just so that everyone knows it is gluten-free bread. And you don't have to be a member of the church to take communion with us this morning. But like the verse says, I just encourage you to examine yourself for you, partake of element. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So, here in just a moment, if you haven't already, we're going to take communion together. And I just encourage you to remember what Christ has done for you. us remember that this is Christ's body broken for us. Take and eat. And this is Christ's blood shed for us.
0: we declare a desperate need for you in our lives, in our families, in our church, family, in our city, our state, our nation, and our world. Our hearts are are heavy with What's happening in our country, the issue of abortion, and this disastrous situation that our nation finds itself in. And we in the church are asking, how did we get here? How
1: how could we let it go so
0: far? How did this happen?
1: And then we're reminded that so much of our country has rejected
0: you as God, as king, as savior. And we find ourselves as a church now in a new um, paradigm, a new mentality that, that we have to take on when it comes to the issues of our nation, our beloved nation. And we are missionaries now in a foreign land,
1: that we are the carriers of
0: light and truth, And no longer can we function with an assumption that those that are around us know and understand who you are and what you are about. Those that are making decisions that are our leaders, our elected leaders. I'm asking, Holy Spirit, that somehow you will overcome their demented ways of thinking that you will overcome um, their hate their evil ways for the purpose of saving lives but I thank you that these babies are landing in your arms. That is your grace and your mercy at work and shining forth in the midst of this awfulness. The numbers tell us, Lord, that Two out of every three women have had an abortion. There's no doubt that inside of this room, in, 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 in inside of the sphere of hearing my voice now, there are Women and, and men who have endured this, who have experienced this, who, who are wrestling with shame and, and, and guilt and despair and who knows what all else that's attached to the results of these kinds of decisions. And I'm asking, Holy Spirit, now that you will surround them with your loving arms. Surround them with your loving arms and help them to know and feel that you are are loving them and and forgiving them and, and, and that you are holding in your arms that little baby. So much tragedy and pain surrounding this topic. But today we just lift this whole thing up to you and entrust it into your hands. And we're asking, Lord, that you will help us to know how to lead the way as missionaries in a foreign land. Because we are your people and we are called by your name. And we humble ourselves before you today, asking for forgiveness of our sins and, and pleading that you will come and, and heal our land, restore our land, renew, renew us as you are renewing our country.
1: in the mighty name
0: of Jesus, we all prayed and everybody said, I hope that you will carry that prayer with you into your week as we continue to face such, such tragedies that are, that are unfolding around us. With, uh, with our hearts continuing in in a place of worship, I want to invite our ushers, to once again come forward as we continue our worship through our giving. If you came today with with a, a commitment card for for our campaign for our finishing touches campaign, I'd invite you to put that in the offering plate today, and 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 our ushers will uh, will get it to the right spot where. Um, just real quickly, we're, we're hoping to raise about $30,000 leading up to Easter so that we can finish some of these projects um, that, that we want to get finished in um, and, and our facility to, to have the best presentation of, of, of who we are come Easter Sunday morning. And I mean, Easter's around the corner, folks, and, and sometimes churches just kind of stumble into Easter and, and, and with the mentality of letting Easter happen. I want us to storm into Easter, making it happen. It it is it is the most significant um, attended uh, a visitor flow kind of a Sunday um, that we have in 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 the in the year, and and I'm hoping that you will bathe Easter seriously in prayer, and be thinking about those that are around you, neighbors, family members, uh, folks that. Uh, 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 co-workers uh, that don't have a church home this is the kind of sunday that they're they're most likely open to joining you in worship let's fill this place up and allow our friends and families and neighbors to experience the presence of the lord as we have been this morning so we bring our tithes and offerings lord jesus to you thank you for your provision and for the provision that is coming Take what we have to offer you today, use it, bless it, multiply it, accomplish your kingdom purposes with it, build your church with we pray in Christ's name. Amen And kiddos you can bring your offerings here and then you're going to stay up here with me because it's the last Sunday of the month
1: and somebody
0: has brought a sermon in the sack presentation try to trick me real good i'm sure i just love having our kids in here with us how about you all okay let's see who's got i know who's got our surprise all right, so you have oh, you have it right here. It's not even in, in a stack, We have oh, okay. We got who is this? It's Superman. We got we got. I, I you you I watched you watched Superman and you saw Batman. Lego, Lego Batman.
1: I don't need to do this. Haven's got this covered. Haven's totally got this covered.
0: Hey, uh, okay, so quick question, kids. Who's your favorite superhero? Who, which one? Who, who's your favorite superhero? Legos? A Lego's gonna be real big. Batman? You got Batman? Spider Man? Spider-Man, Lego Batman, which one's your favorite? Oh, Wonder Woman, of course it's your, she's your favorite, of course, yeah, Batman, anybody, Did any, no one said Superman, is Superman anybody's favorite? Superman's your favorite, Captain Marvel, okay, superheroes, now we love superheroes, why? Why do we love superheroes? What do you think? Because they save the world. They do, they do stuff that us regular people can't do. And did you know that the Bible has a number of characters throughout it that, that we could kind of look at like superheroes?
1: Has anybody ever heard of Samson?
0: Ever heard of Samson, right? Uh, I mean he did something pretty superheroish. He pushed some pillars some some solid cement pillars. He was so strong that he busted up these pillars and an entire building came tumbling down. Can anybody here do that? Probably not i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure I know I can't do that. yeah, pretty amazing stuff um let's see who are some other superheroes in in the bible did you know uh, you ever heard of philip philip is philip is in in the new testament philip did something that was kind of like really superheroish and the holy spirit helped him to do it there was this one time where where he kind of disappeared and reappeared in another place it's in the book of acts pretty amazing stuff and did you know that that there was people that were healed And then there was this one guy. He walked on the water. I don't know what's his name. What's that guy's name? Peter Peter walked on the water. But how? But why would? Why did Peter? Why was he able to walk on the water? Because Because, uh, Jesus was walking on the water. Jesus is our Superman. He's our Ultimate super here. Yes? I'm sorry. Yeah, watch you watch the Incredibles, yeah. So you see this. This is the most awesome sermon in the sack ever, right here. Okay? <laughs> I mean come on, these kids got this. They got this. I, I got
1: they got this. Hey, I want to
0: pray over you and I'm I'm praying. That you will experience Jesus as a superhero in your life. Jesus, I thank you for our children and for the, the joy that they bring into our lives, for the hope that surrounds them and their future, uh, what they're experiencing now in their lives with, with your presence and, and all the potential that's ahead of them. You, Jesus, are our Superman and our Batman and our Spider-Man. You, you. Uh, You have accomplished um, victory, that victory, it translates into our lives. You, uh, as as was said by these awesome kids, superhero save the world, that is what you have done. We celebrate who you are today and how you are affecting us and how you're affecting our kids and infecting our kids with your spirit. Bless them and protect them and continue to lead them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, you give these kids a hand. Genesis chapter
4: 44.
0: I think I mentioned last week that
1: last week was going to be our last Sunday in Genesis, and we're going to move on into Exodus. But man, it occurred to me this week: there's a there's a story in Genesis that we
0: have to cover. It is imperative that we cover it be, because it creates <coughs> it creates context for Israel history, and even for the work of Messiah. And it's the story of Joseph. Now, now Joseph is Abraham's great grandson. Okay, so we have Abraham, and then Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Joseph, and Joseph's brothers. There's twelve of them, and 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 Joseph. Understand this? There's a lot of drama that happens in in the patriarch lineage. Okay. From generation to generation when it, when it comes to Jacob as a dad the, there's there's some critical errors that he makes, and one of them is favoritism. Let me just tell you parents if, if you are participating in favoritism with your kids, there are ramifications that are that are lifelong and, and generational and favoritism is is passed down from one generation to the next and 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 Jacob was the recipient of that and then he hands it off and and these 12 sons that are born to Jacob are, are born of four different women and there's plenty of drama just connected to the choice of sleeping with four different women and having children by them that that, that there's enough drama there but then when you when you decide to do favoritism with with one of them and, and ultimately it's because Jacob loved one of those four women with with all of his heart and she was barren until Joseph finally arrived. so all these other sons were born and finally uh, uh, Rachel uh, gives birth to Joseph and and Joseph becomes Jacob's favorite son. he's got all these older brothers. And and this this whole thing is is lived out in in front of all of them, and there's this event that takes place where where Joseph has um, a, a dream, and 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 in, in this dream God is speaking to him, and and it's and it's prophetic. God simply tells Joseph, "Hey, there's going to be a day through through the imagery of this dream where your your parents and." And, and your brothers are going to bow down to you. Well, n- not being the wisest young man that, that existed on the earth at that time, Joseph goes out and begins to share the dream. Hey, brothers, guess what? God told me, you guys are going to bow down to me one day. And they're like, what? And the hatred that they already had for him increases. The tragedy of this story is there's there's this event that takes place where, where the brothers sell Joseph into slavery and then fake his death. They bring his bloodied coat back to dad. <coughs> Sorry, dad, but your son has been killed by a wild animal, and, and Jacob believes it and goes into utter grief, but really what's happened to Joseph is he, he's been sold into slavery, and he ends up in Egypt, in the house of, uh, of, of the head of security for Egypt, Potiphar's house, okay, captain of the guard, and, and the, the hand of God is on Joseph throughout this entire tragic story of, of one layer of suffering after another. He ends up in Potiphar's house, and the hand of God is on him, and Potiphar sees it, so he raises up to leadership to where he's basically running Potiphar's household. Potiphar's wife decides that she likes Joseph, tries to throw herself at him. He rejects. She lies about Joseph, and Potiphar throws Joseph into prison. So it's just one tragedy to a whole other level of tragedy. Now he's in, he's in the king's prison where he's just sitting in there, and, and, and the, the prison guard sees the hand of God on Joseph, so he raises into leadership inside of the prison once again. Then the story moves to a couple of characters in, in, in Pharaoh's kingdom. a cupbearer and the baker, the chief baker, um, get crossways with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh throws these two men into prison there with Joseph.
1: While they're in prison with Joseph, they have
0: dreams. And Joseph is able to interpret these dreams. And one is good news and one is bad news. The good news comes to the cupbearer. In three days, you're going to be restored to your position. Good for you. The chief baker, sorry, dude, in three days, you're going to be removed from this place and you will be killed. And as the story unfolds, it happens exactly like that. As the cupbearer is, is, is headed out of the prison, Joseph says, hey, by the way, remember me. Well, guess what? The cupbearer does not remember Joseph. And two years goes by.
1: So not only has Joseph been sold into slavery, but then he's lied about,
0: thrown into a prison falsely. And then all this great stuff happens, and the guy that he blesses, basically, the guy that gives the good news, can't even remember who, uh, his, his, his suffering, and he's forgotten. And he sits in there rotting for two years. <coughs> then Pharaoh has a set of dreams. And essentially, the interpretation of these dreams is only able to come through Joseph. All of all of Pharaoh's uh, div- diviners, if you want to use that word, th- those that that uh, his mag- magicians and his sorcerers and, and his his seers, they cannot figure out these dreams that that, that God has spoken into Pharaoh's heart and mind, and then. The cupbearer remembers Joseph. Hey, there's this guy, this Hebrew. He was in prison with me when you put me in there. And he is an interpreter of dreams. Bring him here. Tell him I'm sure that he will be able to solve this riddle for you. So they clean up Joseph and they bring Joseph before Pharaoh. Pharaoh shares the dreams. And Joseph says, I understand. God is the one that's going to show you the interpretation of your dream. And here it is. There's going to be seven years of awesomeness in this land, of plenty. And that is going to be followed by seven years of terribleness, of famine. Well, Pharaoh's like, well, what then do we do about this? And wisdom all over Joseph, he says, well, during the seven years of plenty, store store enough away that when the famine hits, we can survive, we can we can distribute the, the the grain to everyone and 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 Egypt will be saved. They will Egypt will be able to endure the seven years of famine if we if we're good stewards during the years of plenty. Pharaoh says, Great, since you were able to understand this and determine its meaning and and even have a plan to put into place, I'm putting you in charge of all of it. You're in charge of the all of Egypt for my own household, you're you're running the country, Joseph. Seven years of plenty happens, they're storing stuff away, and and then the seven years of famine begin to happen, not just in Egypt, but in all of the areas around it. it, and it is affecting Joseph's family. So, they hear about, Joseph's family hears about the fact that Egypt has all this grain stored away and is distributing. So, Jacob sends Joseph's brothers. And Joseph's brothers end up standing before Joseph himself, but they don't recognize him because he's all Egyptified, okay? And he's, and he, and he's grown up, alright? I mean, when they, when they sent him packing, he was, you know, a, a, a young man. Now he's He's an adult, but, but you know, who knows? He, they just they have no idea they're standing in front of their brother. And their first action is they as soon as they come into his presence, they're, they're bowing down before him.
1: You start to see the fulfillment
0: of, of these dreams that happened many, many years before all of that suffering. Joseph being upright throughout all of it, but just oppressed and oppressed and oppressed and oppressed until this particular season happens. He realizes he's standing in front of his brothers, so he keeps his real identity a secret from them and begins to press them with questions, questions that he's not asking other people he, he, he doesn't care, but he wants to know, is his father still alive? And what of his younger brother, Benjamin, who was also um, his, his full brother from, through Rachel? He begins to press them on that. And he finds, he discovers that, yes, they're, they're both alive. He fills their sacks and, and he, he sends them off. With the declaration that when you guys return, I want, to, I want all of you to be here. I want, I, I want all of the brothers here. He wants to see Benjamin, his younger brother. They didn't bring Benjamin along. Because you've got to understand when, when Jacob lost Joseph, it, it destroyed him so much that then he became super overprotective when it came to Benjamin. He's not going to lose Benjamin. But he puts a demand, Joseph puts a demand on them. When you return, you will bring your brother with you. They come for a second time, and they bring along Benjamin, and, and I mean, Joseph is holding back, he overwhelmed with emotion, seeing his brother, but still keeping the whole secret to himself, but, you know, having a heart, choking back the tears, <clears throat> you can just feel the emotion welling up with, with Joseph, and, and he tricks, he does, he does this trick, okay, And he's he's playing this game with his brothers, testing them, really. But he fills their sacks with grain again, but he sticks one of his silver dishes, one of his silver cups inside of Benjamin's sack secretly, sends them off. And then he sends his assistants chasing them down. And he puts on this show, basically, that Benjamin stole this silver cup from the king's table. So they bring the the brothers, seeing that the cup was in Benjamin's sack, they become wrought with terror. If something happens to Benjamin, they know their dad is going straight to his grave. He's already declared that. They know that this this will be the demise of their father. And so they go into... super overprotective terrible they 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 run back to joseph's feet throwing themselves at the mercy of of joseph and he demands that that benjamin stay and and that they go and get their father and 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 we pick the story up here because i want to start the reading right here so we're in chapter 44 of genesis it was a long story but I think I've caught you up.
1: Now I want to pick up the reading. Uh, What was the verse I picked there,
0: Doug? 14, okay. Joseph was still in the house when Judah and his brothers came in, and they threw themselves to the ground before him. (coughs) Joseph said to them, what is this that you have done? Don't you know that a man like me can find things out by divination? Well, what can we say to you, my Lord, Judah replied? What can we say? How can we prove our innocence? God has uncovered your servants' guilt. where We are now your slaves. We ourselves and, and the one who was found to have the cup. But Joseph said, far be it from me to do such a thing. Only the man who was found to have the cup, will become my slave. Basically, Joseph wants his brother at his side, okay? And, and, and probably Joseph, what he's doing is, is trying to protect his brother, assuming that the hearts of his older brothers are just the same today as they were the day that, that they sold him into slavery. That's how I'm reading this. The rest of you go back to your father in peace. Then Judah, one of his older brothers, went up to him and said, Pardon your servant, my lord. Let me speak a word to you, my lord. Do not be angry with your servant, though you are equal to Pharaoh himself. My lord asked his servants, Do you have a father or a brother? And we answered, We have an aged father. And there is a young son born to him in his old age. His his older brother, not realizing he's talking to Joseph, he's referring to joseph now his brother is dead and he's the only one of his mother's sons left and his father loves him then you said to your servants bring him down to me so i can see him for myself and and we said to you the boy cannot leave his father if he leaves him his, his father will die but you told us Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you will not see my face again. We went back to our father, and we told him what you have said. Then our father said, go back and and bring the boy and, and, and buy a little more food. We said, we can't go down unless our youngest brother is with us. We can't even see his face unless he's with us. And our father said, You know that my wife bore me two sons. One of them went away from me, and I said, He has surely been torn to pieces, and I have not seen him since. If you take this one from me too, and harm comes to him, you will bring my gray head down to the grave in misery. So now, Joseph, the boy is not with us when I go back to our father, your servant if my father, whose life is closely bound up with the boy's life, see that the boy isn't with us, he will die. Your servants will bring the gray head of our father down to the grave in sorrow. Your servant guaranteed the boy's safety to my father. I, I guaranteed his safety to my father. If I, I said, if I don't bring him back to you, I will bear the blame before you, my father, all of my life. Now then, please... Let me remain here as your slave in place of the boy and let the boy return with his brothers. How can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? No, do not let me see the misery that would come to my father. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and he cried out, I want everyone to leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. He sent all of the Egyptian helpers, slaves, workers out of the room. It's just him and his brothers. And he made himself known to them. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. And Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph, is my father still alive? But his brothers (laughs) were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence.
3: (coughs) Imagine all of a sudden realizing
0: that the one who has all authority over you at this moment
3: is the one that you
0: mistreated and sold into slavery. The overwhelming fear, dread, the absolute justice that is coming their way, it's imminent. They realize it in this moment. But instead, Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt but don't be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in their land, and for the next five years there will be No plowing and reaping, but God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. A, a, A really unbelievable perspective on his journey. I, uh, I've read this story hundreds of times, but every time I do, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by Joseph's outlook, which is
2: completely
0: contrary to any kind of outlook I would normally, ordinarily have. If I were experiencing what Joseph experienced, I would be embittered, I would be angry. I would be consumed with revenge with with the need for justice. But there's this there's this perspective Joseph pulls back off of the details of the suffering somehow and gets this this God perspective on on his journey. And it's And it's so embedded in him, it's so complete inside of him, it's so resolved in him that when he comes face to face with his brothers, he's not overwhelmed with anger and hatred and resentment and and whatever other negative energy that will come forth from, from the normal human being in this circumstance. Instead, it's compassion Don't be angry with yourselves. I'm not angry with you. There's no need for you to wallow in guilt right now. Understand, my brothers, God himself has led me here. You think that you did this, but from my perspective, God's hand was in this all the way. Your intent was evil. Your intent was was to bring harm to me, but God used your bad intentions to move me through this place where, where, yeah, my journey was awful, and I wouldn't have asked for it, and I certainly wanted different for my life. But I can see that the end result of this is God is going to save us. God is going to there, there, there is going to be a remnant. Our family is going to be saved from this awful famine that we're just two years into. There's, there's five more years of this ahead of us. But because of your evil intentions, some, I have found my way to being head over all of this. You, my family, will be well supplied. And care for. We will not only survive. We will thrive here. Pharaoh hears about the the family reunion. And is overwhelmed with excitement. To allow Joseph's family to come. Into the land of Goshen. Where they will live for 400 years. Now that 400 years turns from wonderful. To very bad, okay? When the next Pharaoh comes into play, he has no connection to Joseph's story. No care for it. All he sees is a giant community that he becomes terrified of. And so he, begins, he will begin to oppress Joseph's family, his descendants. <coughs> and for 400 years, Israel will be in bondage, in slavery but understand that how they entered into this was was a miracle of God. Now, listen, I know that that we have all experienced bad things. Bad things happen to good people, as equally so, good things happen to bad people, and and somehow... um, we, we, we're, we're forced to try to navigate this, to understand this, and, and, and we can end up questioning God. We can end up um, <coughs> doubting who he is, doubting who, what he's about, especially in the midst of our suffering. That's going to be our normal human response. But what if, what if we wore the eyes of Joseph? What if we allowed ourselves to take on a divine perspective? That the Holy Spirit would, we would allow the Holy Spirit to show us what God is up to, even if we're still inside of that right now. Now, you may be thinking of experiences that you've had, replaying some of your life stories, hard times, and, and you know, Hindsight is usually 20, 20 You can look back on that and you can go, I can see how God's hand was in that and what he was doing there. But some of us may be inside of it right now. And when you're inside of it, that can be the hardest time to pull back and ask for God's insight, his perspective. But what if we made that kind of a choice? Joseph becomes a picture of Messiah when, when the Jews fast forward way, way into, into history prior to Jesus showing up, and and the Jewish scholars and leaders were would would look at all of the prophecy that was spoken about Messiah. They they com- they would compile it and it basically fell under under two headings under uh, uh, under uh, and 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 they were they were they were inconclusive about how this was going to work out but there was the suffering servant aspect of Messiah and then there was the kingly aspect of Messiah and and the Jews they, they, they had a hard time understanding how. One person could actually fulfill both of these roles. So they, they assumed in their human thinking that there had to be two messiahs. And, and this was a pretty common
1: way of thinking that there was going to be a suffering servant that was going to show up. And then following that, there was going to be a, a kingly messiah that was going to show
0: up. I mention this because when you, when you look at John the Baptist... There's something that John the Baptist says that can be confusing to us. (coughs) Remember, in John chapter 1, at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, he walks by John the Baptist and and his disciples, and John points at him and says, Look, it's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He does this two days in a row. That's John chapter 1. You see that. Making this very clear declaration, Jesus is The suffering servant. He makes that a very clear statement. He does it two days in a row. And on the second day, one of his disciples, one of John's disciples, Andrew, jumps up and begins to follow Jesus. And he becomes a follower of Jesus. John basically says, yes, go. He's the one. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But look what happens in Luke chapter 7. I have this pulled up. Luke chapter 7, starting in verse 4. John has, ha, has been arrested, okay? He's in prison. So John, John's disciples uh, told him about all these things, calling two of them. G- John sends them to the Lord, to Jesus, to ask, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? A better word to use is, Are you the one to come, or should we expect another? That, that's a much better word to use. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to ask, Are you the one to come, or should we expect another?
1: At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits,
0: and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Now, you can blast right through this as, as a non-Jewish thinker, okay? You can blast right through this and just say, this, this, this is great news. But here's what he's saying. Notice first what he did not say. He said nothing about his suffering, his impending suffering. He said nothing about the cross. He said nothing about shedding his blood. He said none of those things because John has already declared him the suffering servant, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John simply wants to know a clarification because for generations they have assumed
1: the only way that
0: this can all be fulfilled, this side and this side, is there's going to have to be two different guys that pull this
2: off. Are you the one to come,
0: or should we expect another? And Jesus' whole answer is framed out in this side over here. Because the kingdom of Messiah was going to bring victory, was, was, was going to bring uh, healing and, and curing. And, and <clears throat> so all of this prophecy, J- Jesus' answer is, you've already said this over here, cousin John. Yes, I am both. Jesus fulfills both aspects of Messiahship for us. <coughs> Those of us that are suffering, He understands. Just like Joseph, a, a, a picture. A shadow of things to come, a shadow of, of the suffering of Messiah. This is, this is the Jewish way of thinking. When they, when they looked at the story of Joseph, they, 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 they would expect
1: Messiah is going to suffer in the same way, just as when they looked at King David.
0: Messiah ben Joseph, Messiah ben David. You can Google it. You, you can see. This is, this is how they would think. When they looked at King David, they they would think about the kingly aspects of Messiah. Joseph becomes for us a reminder and a stage setter for the work of Messiah. When we suffer, we are not alone in this. What he has endured, what he has experienced, he understands where we're at. And for those of us that are, that are living in victory, uh, on top of the world, are, are, are running at full sprint, he gets it, he understands us as well somehow. And this is, this is the, the amazing paradox of, of Messiah, is he can connect with and commune with us, whether we're on top of the hill or in the lowest valley that we've ever experienced, in the pit of despair. That is is the truth about our Messiah, who he is and how he longs to minister to us and commune with us. I want to invite Sarah to come back up just as she's doing that, just a time of reflection with with your eyes closed. Breathing deeply in this story, this this text, this context,
3: where are you at with your journey?
0: (coughs) The ministry of Messiah on us, we are on the other side of the cross now. Our faith rests in Messiah, who he is, what he has done maybe your journey has, been, has reflected suffering what if you chose now to cling to Messiah and what if you begged Messiah to, to give you his eyes, his perspective his, his understanding just like Joseph clearly did those that are experiencing victory riding high on the horse.
3: maybe You can ask Messiah to give you his perspective
0: on the blessings that he has bestowed on you. Those that are doing well need to have just as much of of Messiah's perspective as, as those who are suffering.
3: He comes to all of us right where we're at right now
0: offering His divine perspective on life. Let's stand and and sing together in response to this.
3: He became sin who knew no sin that we might be God i nice.
0: Especially for Pastor Jake and Bethany and Ollie, they would come on up here.
1: We say goodbye to them today as we send them out as missionaries to Pueblo.
0: They're going to be youth pastors there, and we want God's hand of anointing and blessing to be upon them and, and their minister, ministry to the youth. Guys, just come right here. We want to create some space here. If you'd like to come around them and lay hands on them and pray for them, uh, I want to invite whoever would like to do so to come,
3: because <clears throat> we thank God for their ministry here, for this awesome, awesome baby,
0: and for the ministry that is going to pour forth through them in the days, months, and years to, c- to come, Pueblo First Church the Nazarene, Jesus, we thank you for the Metcalfs and for the impact that they've had on us here. I know it's, it's been a, a relatively short amount of time, but we thank you that we have got to share this time with them, and we thank you for the growth that we've seen in them, especially in, in Jake uh, with his with his preaching and all that he's gained in his understanding of of leadership and I'm asking Lord that you will take that they would take what they've gained here and carry that with them to the ministry that is going to unfold before them in Pueblo. There are teenagers that desperately need your grace and your mercy and your your touch on their lives and you're going to use Jake and Bethany and even Ollie to, to affect and infect them with your love I pray for Pastor Jim there uh, that as he's creating this environment to receive Jake and Bethany that, that, that he will give them the space that they need to just run freely with ministry and accomplish the kingdom purposes that you're going to put before them Fill Jake with vision and passion and and an unconditional, relentless love for the lost, especially in his sphere of influence there. And we know, Lord, because we've seen that all of this is stage setting because there's going to be a day when this couple... We're going to take the reins of senior pastorhood, and I know that all that has happened here and all that will take place from from this moment forward through his time at Pueblo is building him, building them up as a couple for that level of ministry. I thank you that we can see that now. We see your hand on him, on them, and we're excited about what's going to happen through them, from this moment forward, we love them. And we thank you for bringing them our way, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we all pray. Amen. Amen. Can we thank Jake and Bethany one more time for their ministry here? Make sure you say goodbye to them on on your way out today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you, and fill you with his peace. Have an amazing week with Messiah. See you next Sunday.